Hello and welcome to the series. In this series, we're going to be meditating on some of the best and greatest works in literature and philosophy. We're going to read through extracts of them and analyze them, give you my thoughts, and of course, more importantly, asking for your thoughts in the comments below. Today, we're reading the parable of the madman from Nietzsche, and it is something which is truly phenomenal. It's the famous "God is dead" passage from the gay science. So, if you're interested in it, make sure you go read it yourself. You can find it online, or you could have the book yourself and go check it out. So, let's start reading, and I'll give you my thoughts. The madman. Have you not heard of that madman who lit a lantern in the bright morning hours, ran to the marketplace, and cried incessantly, "I seek God. I seek God." As many of those who did not believe in God were standing around just then, he provoked much laughter. "Has he gotten lost?" asked one. "Did he lose his way like a child?" asked another. "Or is he hiding? Is he afraid of us? Has he gone on a voyage? Emigrated?" Thus they yelled and laughed. The madman jumped into their midst and pierced them with his eyes. "Whither is God?" he cried. "I will tell you. We have killed him. You and I. All of us are his murderers. But how did we do this? How could we drink up the sea?" Who gave us a sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? What were we doing when we unchained this earth from its sun? And whither is it moving now? Whither are we moving away from all suns? Are we not plunging continually, backward, sideward, forward, in all directions? Is there still ups and downs? Are we not staying as though at through, as as through an infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Is it not right? Is it not night continually closing in on us? Do we not need to light lanterns in the mornings, or hear nothing as yet of the noise of the grave diggers, who are burying God? Do we smell nothing as yet of the divine decomposition? Gods too decompose. God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we com- comfort ourselves, the murderer of all murderers? What was the holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives. Who who will wipe this blood off us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement? What sacred games shall we have to invent? Is not the greatest of this deed too great for us? Must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it? There has never been a greater deed, and whoever is born after us for the sake of this deed, he will belong to a higher history than all history hitherto. Here the madman fell silent and looked. Again, at his listeners, and they too were silent and stared at him in astonishment. At last, he threw his lantern on the ground, and it broke into pieces and went out. I have come too early, he said. Then, my time is not yet. This tremendous event is still on its way, still wandering. It has not yet reached the ears of men. Lightning and thunder require time. The light of the stars requires time. Deeds, though done, still require time to be seen and heard. This deed is still more distant from them than the most distant stars, and yet they have done it themselves. It has been. It has been related further that on the same day, the madman forced him, his way into several churches, and there struck up his requirement. A certain Deo led up and called to his account. He has always said, always shall reply nothing. But what, after all, are these churches now? If they're nothing but the tombs and the sepulchre, I cannot pronounce that of God. And I think that this is a fascinating passage. It is truly something which is phenomenal, and I know it takes quite long to read it, but I think it's. It's it's important that we do go through this passage and read it out loud just to have the ideas in our mind and because it's really truly um, beautiful trans- <coughs> translations as well from the German and Walter Kaufman does a very very phenomenal job in in analyzing and contributing to the Nietzschean um, literature and the Nietzschean ideas. So where do we start off when we're meditating on this passage? It, it does hit very strong. I think first of all we can start off with the first theme. 
the madman goes into the marketplace. He's going into a world and see, he's seeking God. It's this, it's this image of almost this faith-seeking understanding. Or maybe this idea that he is trying to look for God. Though, of course, later on we know he knows God is already dead. Or perhaps he realizes God is dead from looking at the, the people around him. I think that's two possible readings. First of all, is he's going on into the marketplace. And when he says, I seek God, I seek God, he is he already knows what he's doing. And he's asking a rhetorical question. He's challenging them to say, well, bring out from your own beliefs your God. And that could be what he's asking. Or perhaps he's going the other way around and he truly is trying to seek God. He's a madman trying to find the divine. But yet when he looks upon the faces of those the unbelievers around him, he recognizes that they have killed God already. Those are two possible readings. And I think both lead to equally profound reflections and equally lead to some true insight into the nature of what Nietzsche is trying to call the world that we live in today, even the world that he was living back then. We, we kind of see the situation where the moment he sees them, the moment he jumps into their midst and pierces him with them with their eyes, he recognizes and knows that God is dead and that the people around him have killed God and that they have themselves have not recognized the significance of what it means to kill God and they play it off as laughs. For example, in the first paragraph we see there was much, he, promote, he provoked much laughter. Thus they yelled and laughed. What this seems to suggest is that, well, their actions, their, their beliefs, they, they view the world and view it as just nothing but a joke. They view it as something which is easy, easily dismissed, easily enjoyed, easily, easily made fun of, perhaps to some degree. They, they, they play off this death of God, this catastrophic event in Nietzschean um, theology or in Nietzschean philosophy as, as a kind of joke and and to some degree, if if they destroyed the God in some sense, in a in a metaphysical sense, why doesn't he be not become a joke, I suppose? And that is definitely a natural objection or response that an atheist may give. But nevertheless, I think Nietzsche dives deeper into the problem where he's saying, well, all right, I may not still believe in God, but at least there's a cat. There's a, there's a catastrophic event which has occurred, a cataclysmic event, which is calling upon us to reach a higher order of divi divinity, a higher order of humanity. And at the core, Nietzsche was a humanist, a humanist not in the sense of, well, humans are some crazy, amazing being, but rather the idea that there is power within humans to reach great heights. Perhaps not all humans are meant to reach great heights, but at least there's a power of some to fill out the role of God. And I suppose that is the great, uh, brilliant um counterexample to the man-man is perhaps a grand inquisitor where where dostoevsky is challenging perhaps we could say the church the authority of the church the the ability for certain men in the church to raise up and gain great power and they're able to take those positions and lead men forward they in some ways are the ubermensch of of of, of the present when god was dead the church and the authorities rose in its place as ironic as that could be and as a result in, in some sense, what Dostoevsky saw with the, the, the Catholic Church perhaps could have been a precursor to Dost uh, Nietzsche's madman in this scenario. Now, I'd like to tie in a bit more and, and really plunge into the ideas surrounding the infinite nothing, the really what he's trying to describe as the, the loss of direction as a result of the death of God. The death of God in Nietzsche's a parable isn't just something which is gone in an existential way. The entire world falls off its hinges. The entire world is predicated upon the existence of that God. And with that, the death of that God, the only way who can replace that God is man. And in that sense, Nietzsche is a humanist. He's saying that man can become God, or at least certain men can become God. He will bring, he will belong to a higher history than all history hitherto. 
He's calling upon a future where certain men stand up and are able to develop further, such that we're no longer worshipping the divine, but perhaps in some sense we're worshipping certain men. And of course, those men will be the ubermensch. And of course, when Nietzsche critiques the slave morality, he's critiquing the slave morality as something which is pathetic. But it's not necessarily think that he recognizes or believes can be done away with completely. He truly recognizes a great psychologist as he is, that you cannot have the entire world being eight of, made of 8 billion ubermensches. There'll always be the slaves. There'll always be those who would, cannot reach the heights. And suppose I suppose the, the natural juxtaposition to that idea would be Raskolnikov, who could say, well, no matter where you go, you could still not reach the heights. And that's something you can think about. Now, finally, I would like to um, give some thoughts about the, the sin that we have created when it says, how, how shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? I think this is truly a beautiful passage, and it's something which you need to think about a lot, is, especially if you're coming from a theistic perspective. You say you believe in God, you say you're a Christian, but in reality, are you? Do, you? do you truly believe that God exists or is in your heart God is dead already? And do you really know whether God is dead or alive in you? How are you meant to know that and how are you meant to figure that out? I think that that's something which you have to struggle with every day. Have you truly killed God? Have you, with, with your sin perhaps, or perhaps with your lack of commitment, your lack of devotion? Or perhaps even if you're an atheist, what on earth do you mean when you say I am an atheist, when, I, when, I, when you say I don't believe in God? Does that mean you don't believe in the divine being in the sky? Does that mean you have no higher ulterior motives in your life? Does that mean you do not have any higher ulterior incentives, uh, priorities in your life? Does that mean you have any priorities in your life at all? Because in some sense you could say, well, what is God? God is the highest priority in your life. And that's simply what God is in a psychological sense. Now, I did say that that would have been the last point, though I do want to talk a bit more about the astonishment when, when the man-man says, I have come too early. There's almost this idea that Nietzsche is a prophet, truly really predict everything coming in the future. And in some sense, he did. He predicted this death of God and recognized where it would lead. In fact, it did lead to the Ubermensch. It did lead to a few people who were able to take upon the, the, the doctrines and the dogmas of atheism alongside other atheistic dogmas like Marxism and communism. And were able to use that power to transcend and overcome the, the world around them to manipulate and, and, and lead the world into 20th century dictatorships. And that was, well, of course, led to disaster and tragedy. And that's something which is definitely something which we must wrestle with, something we must fight against. And, and it's definitely something which requires much thought because it's very easy to dismiss that and say, well, those people weren't truly atheists. They weren't living out their atheist doctrines. But then at the same time, you could say, well, but surely those things would not have happened if God was still there, if God was still alive. Nietzsche called out the fact that these people were taking it too, too, too lightly, the death of God. They would bury God, but they didn't know what else they were meant to do. They saw it as immediate victory when, in fact, the future was really uncertain. This reminds me of the moments right after the communist takeovers in, in Soviet Russia and Maoist China. The people were happy. They rejoiced. Not necessarily because they rejoiced for what was in the future, nor did they necessarily agree with what was in the future, but because they rejoiced of what they got rid of in the past. That's always a very dangerous thing that I warn everyone I know against. It might be right that the past has to be moved on from and the past must be overcome. But that does not mean we, we, aim he we, we move he headlessly and aimlessly into the future without knowing what we are meant to support. In order to overcome the law, to fulfill the law, you must first understand it and that's a very important thing you need to know both the past and also the future i hope you've enjoyed this reflection and this meditation on the parable of the madman 
Hope you've enjoyed this analysis. As I've said previously, this video and this series is not only asking for my thoughts, but also your thoughts. So feel free to let me know your thoughts and interpretations of the parable of the man-man and your insights in the comments below. I'll happily read them there and interact with you there. Stay safe, my friends. See you soon. Thank you for watching and goodbye. I'll see you next one.